I'm Arlen Hamilton. I'm a venture capitalist. And this is your first million. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. This episode is brought to you by Digital Ocean. Let's go. In this episode of Your First Million, I sit down with Roberta Luca in London to talk about her journey. And Roberta is fascinating. She was born in Brazil. She studied computer science while she was there. And then she moved to England and started a few companies, a few startups. And as you'll see, some of them worked out and some didn't. And um, maybe were a little ahead of their time if they didn't work out. You'll see that in the interview. And she ended up co-founding Bosa Studios, which is a really popular um, gaming studio, BAFTA award-winning, and just has massive hits after hit. And I love this interview because she she just drops keys left and right. So pull out the, the notebook on this one for sure. She has raised with her co-founders more than $11 million in venture funding, uh, really bootstrapped though before that, which is the more interesting story in my view. And today she has videos on YouTube where she's trying to pay it forward. She's trying to impart uh, wisdom and, and give keys from her experience that are really practical and actionable. And that's what I love about these videos. And I love about this interview. You are going to get something out of this, uh, this one. It's a little bit shorter than our other ones have been, but um, it's, it's just jam-packed. It's concentrated. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. As much as I love talking to Roberta and, you know, if you have any questions for her, you can reach her. She'll tell you how to reach her. I think you're going to want to keep up with her, her journey. Thanks for listening as always. And I can't wait to get into it. Let's go. I love your videos Uh and I just became familiar with them. I like what you're doing. I like what you're, you're trying to, you've, you figured something out and you're trying to pay it forward. Why, once you've made your first million, why do you, why do you make videos and content for other people? It's, uh, I, I decided in my life to be, to be an entrepreneur and to, you know, to focus everything that I do in my work and create something new to the world. But I decided not to have children. Mm. And I think I got to a point where I've accumulated all this knowledge, all of these, you know, achievements. And I I need to have this need to kind of put it out and and be this kind of 
potentially role model to the new generation of girls who are like lost or thinking what am I going to do in my life? And I thought that the best place to do it was YouTube because the, the, that's the place where, you know, all the Gen Z are, but also they exposed to uh, makeup and shoes and beauty and they're not exposed to women talking about business and women talking about how fun and how difficult and how exciting could be for you to build something on your own. And yeah, so I closed the cycle and, and it's, it is a, a massive way to pay forward and to say, Hey, um, come into this journey cause you might love it. Yeah. That's, that's, actually like the coolest answer to that question <laughs> because I, I definitely relate to the deciding not to have children part um I definitely would consider adopting an older child or couple in the next few years but I, do, I don't have any no longer have no longer a desire to have my own um biologically and so I do feel like I call myself like people's gay auntie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm, you know, so it's like I feel like I want to be like a big sister to people. Uh-huh. I have. I am a big sister, uh, and I want to be a big sister, and and that's just a wonderful way of putting it. It's how I think about Oprah too. Yeah, uh, Oprah. People kind of focus on the fact that she hasn't had children, but she she has the world's children. I mean, right? We you know we are all learning from her, and I think it's just really important um, that each person. Each woman, each person, each couple, each group, whatever, makes that own decision for themselves. So I just kind of honed in on that part of it, but that's really awesome. Yeah. So um, because you have these wonderful videos, which I encourage everyone to check out on YouTube, um, you have you, you cover a lot. So first what we'll do is level set and, and um, kind of start at the beginning. First of all, where are you from? Where were you born? How long have you been? We're in London right now. How long have you lived in London? That sort of thing. So I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and I moved to London 13 years ago. And I worked there in a, in a very large corporation called Global TV. It's the second largest commercial broadcaster, TV broadcaster in the world. And I spent seven years there. I, I'm a computer scientist, so I was in the technology department, but also working in, uh, we call it interactivity <laughs> department, mm-hmm. which basically allowed us to uh, to apply technology to make TV more interactive. So you could vote for your Big Brother contestant, you could vote for whatever that was happening on TV. And, and to me, it was like I was in this very massive organization of thousands of people and, and pretty big one. And I was like, what else am I going to do in Brazil, right? I need to go out and explore the world. I had this, you know, kind of sense of adventure. And my husband and I were like, okay, that's the time now. We're kind of young enough, got married and then like, okay, let's go and, and find job, a job in, uh, in the UK. And we ended up finding a job in, well, he found a job in Cambridge. I followed. Uh, and then there was the realization when I got here that I could not speak proper English. Oh, and I was like, wow, naivety is a bless, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, I can do Yeah, this. they say ignorance is bliss. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And But that was fine. I was like, okay, now I need to kind of take five steps back and and invest in, in learning how to communicate in a different language to continue my career. And, and I did that. And then six months later, I was working again and then went to work for Nokia. 
And, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, yeah, almost nine years ago, I found myself in this like moment of, okay, I cannot bear anymore working large organizations. I'm always like a rebel. I'm always trying to do the new things, the new projects, changing everything. I think I'm ready now to go and, and jump into entrepreneurship. And that's when I started Boston Studios. So I know that you had a couple of companies before, so startups that you yeah. that you decided to do. But were these before Bossa? Because Bossa was your kind of your baby that that went off to college that did well. Yeah. But you had a couple of uh, attempts that didn't do so well. Is yes. that correct? Yeah, that's okay. correct. So so first of all, just briefly, what were they, and mm-hmm. then what did you learn from those false starts? So I had a, a very interesting joining to entrepreneurship because I started Bossa first and then halfway through, I was like, oh my God, I really enjoyed this, starting something new, creating something new. And I started multiple companies while I was building Bossa. Hmm. And they didn't work out, <laughs> as you can expect, right? Because your mind, you just, you split your focus in two. Um but I really had to do that for myself for some reason, you know, internal reason. And I started a company that was a 3D printing company. And you you guys who are listening won't be able to see, but I'm, I'm wearing one of my products, oh. which is a ring that is made of titanium. And my idea was that 3D printing is going to change the world, right? We're going to be building houses, right. 3D printable houses eventually. And what, what year was this when you started this? That was 2014. Uh, uh, okay. Yes. Five years ago. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. And, and I was like, the whole fashion industry is so, there's so much waste going on and fashion accessories, etc., there must be a way that I can use 3D printing to create things on demand. So a product would only exist if someone orders that, right? Physical product. And I started with jewelry and et cetera. And I was like, the, the materials are going to evolve. And it was fascinating. It was like an amazing journey. I had uh, partnerships with Disney, with uh, Topshop, with, you know, a lot of big companies. And, but it was, I was too early, yeah. It was not yeah. the right timing. Uh, it didn't take off. My margins was, was were very s- squeezed because people who buy fashion, they're either buying the designer or they're buying something very cheap. Yeah. And same for accessories. How so, long did it take yeah. you to figure out, like, were you disciplined in understanding that it wasn't working or did you, do you feel that you went too long with it? No, I was I was disciplined and I was like halfway through. I think I think I yeah, I ran the company for like two years. Two years. Michael founder, because it was his first company, he really wanted to stay longer. He was like, No, we can do this, we can do this. Yeah. I I don't feel it. Yeah. I think we're just knowing the right timing. We're not gonna crowd, we're not gonna, you know, yeah. make it. I mean that's so important for for people to it's hard though when you're in it and you're passionate about it. And it, some of it is working and you have these signals and you you don't, you know, know what the future holds. Yeah. It's hard to know when to call like a time of death, you know, on, yes. on an idea because they, all of, all of your, if you are an entrepreneur and you have, and it, for me, it seems like you're a visionary as well. Like, and you're seeing things even ahead of their time that can be difficult. But the, the thing I think that separates 
a, a good entrepreneur from like a legendary entrepreneur is that ability to edit mm-hmm. and to to have that discipline and, and yeah. know how to spend their years on this planet. And it seems like you did that. And was the other attempt after that? Did yeah. you start something else? Okay, yeah, what, yeah, after what, that. <laughs> well, you were you were you were energized. Yeah. So what yeah. what, uh, so what was that one? I I when when I you know as you're saying it's like it's uh, it's never an easy decision. You have to do that. I was like, yeah, I I decided you know that's not the time. Time is wrong. I burned out, of course, because I was doing Bossa and Wonderlook at the same time. Uh, and then I went back to Bossa, like, okay, now I'm going to do, you know, full time. And then I had this other idea. Yeah. <laughs> because I um, I spent uh, quite a lot of money and time with executive coaches to help me become a better leader, a better mm. entrepreneur. And, and I, I was like, there must be a way that I can use uh, artificial intelligence to... Uh, make to make like the headspace for coaching, mm-hmm. right? Can I use? Can I, you know, use uh, uh, neuroscience techniques, coaching techniques, you know, things that are proven that work, and combine that with technology and have a chatbot that would help you with your life on the day to day? And that was my my third company, uh, which is called Boulder. So it helps you to be more bold, bolder in your life. And it's literally a seven to 10 minutes conversation on Facebook Messenger with this imaginary coach, which is called Charlie. So it could be a woman or man. Um, and Charlie helps you with your life and ask you questions, the tough questions that coaches ask you. Uh, so, yeah, so that was another thing that was like, maybe I could do this. And, this- and that, that just, again, was didn't catch on as quickly as you needed it to? Yeah, the, the, the technology is still not there. In terms yeah. of uh, making that really, uh, you know, personalized, there are there are companies that are succeeding now. Yeah. Um, yes, because this would have been what a couple of years ago that you exactly. Did this? Yeah, yeah, it was a couple yeah. of years ago. And an AI, a year makes all the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So. What do you think the lesson? One of the lessons, like mm-hmm. the main takeaway for you, was when you started. Is it? I mean, do you regret starting these other companies, or do you do you feel like they've given you some some lesson that you couldn't have paid for <laughs> yeah I, I no I do not regret at all I, I I'm very glad that I did I became a much better entrepreneur because of that I learned much better how to focus how to be intentional I I learned how to kind of balance my you know my big vision and, and big drive to create new things into back into boss as well to say okay how can I uh, channel this energy into a different way to make something bigger as opposed to make something new uh, because Bossa is doing well, right? Yeah. And and how can I allow myself some time to have this creative flow into another avenue, which is part of also what I'm doing with my YouTube channel? How do you? How did you make your first million? How, uh, what was that? Yes, yeah, that's the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you you were yeah you had Bossa. Is it Bossa or Bossa? Bossa. Bossa. Like from Bossa Nova. Bossa Nova. Get it? Yeah. That was inspired by Bossa Nova. Yeah. yeah. We we were we were three years into building the company, and we created a game in a game jam called Surgeon Simulator, and. Surgeon Simulator is a game about a surgeon who wants to do a heart transplant, but he's very clumsy. 
and you you are as as a player you are just a clumsy hand <laughs> that needs to be this heart transplant in a moving ambulance oh my goodness <laughs> in the middle of town that's great and my team put it out there they uploaded to to congregate at the time like a, a big uh gaming portal and a couple of youtubers really big ones uh picked it up they started playing on their youtube channels one of them was pewdiepie which later became quite big and controversial. Um, and suddenly in a week of a very bare bones game of, uh, of from a game jam of two days, and game jams are like hackathons, right? Yeah. Uh, this game was everywhere. Everyone was talking about this. We had like millions of views on, on YouTube combined. Tons of people playing that. And we're like, wow, we have something that's a jam here, right? And we spent another four months into making a proper game. We launched and then we, we reached our, our million, million dollar revenue in a matter of months. Wow. Wow. So, and, and was that some, so how many games had you built, has the team built before that one broke? We had built five, five before games. that. Would, yeah. Was there any indication on this sixth game? that it would be any different than the first that had modest success? Yes. Uh, the first one was interesting because the first game we made, we won a BAFTA award. Yes. Uh, and a BAFTA award is like the Oscars of, you know, of games here in, in the UK and in Europe. And it was amazing because it put us in the map, right? We're like, wow, okay, we, we can create something very unique and very nice that people appreciate. But it didn't. It was not financially successful, and then we we had those trials of making that you know super creative things into financial success in the other attempts. And this one, I think, what was different was that with a very very, uh, I would call it MVP, right? Mm -hmm. A very small MVP. It had such an appeal to so many millions of people, and I, I get I get even goosebumps because it was like wow we just had our audience. So the yeah. difference was that there were a lot of people who already tried the game and they wanted it. And MVP means minimum viable product, right? Yes. And, and that's the thing. So to explain for people who wouldn't know mm -hmm. why that would be interesting is, is it, it's, you weren't trying to make it a huge product. You were trying to get it out to people who might enjoy it. Exactly. As quickly and, and, as nicely as possible, but not uh, spending weeks and months and hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. It was just a sort of from the heart. It was as from a gift. the heart. Yeah. It was from the heart. Yeah. Definitely that. That's interesting. It, it was, and we even call it, we adapt to the game's world, right? We say that it's the MEP is a minimum enjoyable product. Wow. And if you can't, you know, if you have a lot of people loving it as much as you love doing there you go. You have something. You have a jam. So I'm really excited about our sponsors for this episode, Digital Ocean. I spoke at their employee lunch a few months ago in New York City at their headquarters, and I was just blown away by their team, by their diversity in the room, by the community that they've built, the curiosity uh, of thought there. It was really, really fun, and they are some really cool people. So when we partnered to sponsor and launch this podcast, I was stoked. Let me tell you a little bit about what they are and who they are and what they're offering us. So DigitalOcean 
is a cloud platform that makes it easy for startups to launch high-performance modern apps and websites with simple, predictable pricing, no gotcha pricing, and a UX that developers around the world love. You can stop worrying about your cloud hosting and storage bills and have more time to just focus on your business. We all need more time. So that's not all. They want to make it even easier for new businesses to launch apps in the cloud. If you're a startup, don't miss out on applying for their incredible Hatch Incubator Program. Over 2,000 startups in DigitalOcean's Hatch have received amazing perks, like a year's worth of free cloud infrastructure credits, special events, prioritized support, technical training, and more. Learn more about DigitalOcean's global startup community and apply for Hatch at do.co slash backstage. That's do.co slash backstage. And so you have a lot of gems yourself, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I think, on, on YouTube. I want to talk about a couple of them because I think the the advice you give uh, will be very helpful to some people listening. Why do you say you should learn to say no more often? Because every time you say yes, you're committing to something more that you might not be able to fulfill. Mm. Every time uh, I went into, I have phases in my life, right? Because I, I, I don't think that we all kind of very, uh, you know, we, of course, we progress in life and I, I want to be better every day. But we relapse every now and then, right? And the best moments that I've had were the moments that I was really focused on my goals and very focused on my intention into something that I really wanted to, to have succeeding. And, and that requires saying a lot of no's. And it's so painful. And it's so painful to say no, especially when you have a creative mind. It's just like you want to embrace the world. Yeah. Yeah. So but you, it's that, that it's quality. It's the quality. It's the quality. quantity. Yeah. yeah. So why is it important that we try to get better and better at that? And, and uh, the focus, yes. And, and it, do, you, do you feel like you have a higher quality of life when you're completely kind of taking control of, of it? Because I think one of the things you mentioned in, in another video is um, that you decide your destiny. Yeah. So how do those two things tie in? To me, it's about energy. I, I have, we all have finite energy in our days, right? And I try, I'm always trying to have more energy than I usually have by doing yoga every day, by, you know, taking uh, vitamin B6, B12, and, you know, kind of keep myself in a, in a high energy mode on a day-to-day basis. But when you are splitting yourself into 10 things, you naturally gonna spend 10% of your energy in one of in, in each of them, right? So when you say no and when you become intentional, you decide these are the two things that I'm gonna focus on, you have 50% energy to each, which is way better. And I believe that that's how you achieve great things is by putting your mind and your heart and your energy into those things that you wanna see, you know, becoming amazing. <laughs> And talk a little bit about that success then um, once you once you all as a team, you have several co-founders and you work as a team. You're still there, right? Yeah. You're still, yeah. This is your main gig. With that success, did you all continue to have success? I know you um, were able to raise capital, which you raised 
years and years after you started, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Because you had more leverage and control, which is a big thing. But that success, was that something that you, was it like you imagined it would be? Was having the BAFTA nominations and having millions of people know and play the game, was that like a dream come true? I, I'm trying to get a sense of once you have it, mm-hmm. does it feel the same as what you imagined and dreamed of? Yeah, I think it's different. It's like the, the the ideas, you know, that's that's a funny thing. We do game jams on a monthly basis at BOSA. Which again is a, is sort is of a hackathon. Hackathon. Yeah, thing. hackathon yeah. for two days. Every, every month. And we've been perfecting, that's our secret sauce. We have been perfecting our funnel of making five to 10 games every single month. So, so we have nearly 300 games made and it goes through validation process and, you know, all those things. We put it out there. We do play tests until the point of like, okay, now it's time to invest in that game and make it successful. And um, I, I think the, the evolution, when we started to do game jams, we figured out that that a lot of great ideas for games become pretty bad games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and a lot of not so good ideas for games can become amazing entertainment games, right? Mm. So there's a lot of power in the execution. And when you are starting a company, when you have your big vision, when you're like, this is what I want to change in the world, this is what I want to conquer... Everything is in your mind and that's, you know, in the ideas place, which is marvelous for creative people and visionary people like, like me. And, but when you put things in practice, things are very different. The results are very different, even though you, most of the outcomes you can control, a lot of them you can't because you are in a very movable market all the time, right? There are loads of variables when you put your product out there. So I would say that, it's different to what I expected. Is it better? I think it is better because when I started, I, I, I never, I would never imagine I would raise so many millions. I would never imagine we would make so many millions. I would, uh, I, I was not like, oh my god, we're gonna have like a, a, a thousand people company, a hundred people company. I, I just wanted to create something amazing to the world. What is what does capital afford you other than just uh, the ability to 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 buy things, what does it afford you? I think it affords you to fail because there's no way you can succeed without the failures on the way. And that's crucial because nothing, nothing's going to be perfect, as perfect as it in your imagination <laughs> when you execute that. Maybe you don't have the right technology. Maybe you don't have the right game design. Maybe you don't have the right people and, and, and things fail and you have to start again. That's really interesting. My my go to is it affords options, and we've talked about that on on this series in the series before. But it affords failure, yeah, which can breed the biggest successes after having those lessons. Exactly, that's really interesting. So a re- recurring theme I'm hearing um, with you is is to kind of allow yourself, allow your 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 imagination to soar, but when executing start small and this is something that you've said in the past too why is that really key for people because when you like think about when you want to make big changes in your life right you want to 
I don't know, so many people want to change jobs, lose weight, uh, you know, get to the gym every day. If you go and say, I'm going to go from uh, being a, a very unfit person into becoming an athlete, it's just you cannot go from zero to hundred mm. in no time. It requires you to start with this very, very small steps, which is I'm going to do 15 minutes of yoga every day. Now I'm going to do another 15 minutes of running every day. Now I might take a marathon. Now I might, you know, so it's, it's building blocks. And, and when, you, when you try to do too many things, you're just going to tire yourself. Let's say you go from zero to going to the gym for four hours in a day. You're just going to, you know, you're literally going to break your muscles. Yeah, you burn out. <laughs> you burn out yeah. so quickly. And, and you need to define those small steps that will allow you to get to the big goal that you have. What are your thoughts on, uh, you're, you're a co-founder of a gaming company where you get to watch your customers have fun every day. What are your thoughts on having fun as an entrepreneur? Because there, this is a roller coaster, you know, no matter how successful one is, I've talked to people who have had hundreds of millions of dollars raised and, and rev, in revenue and they are miserable. Because this is one yeah. more thing to worry about. And I've talked to people who have fallen face in the mud and are just having the time of their life. Why do you think it's important or do you think it's important to have fun? And if so, why? I think it's massively important to have fun. I think there's a, a lot of pressure on founders to be, to, to be in mode of nearly burnout, to achieve things quick, quicker and, 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 you know, and, and bigger, much, much faster. Um, I, I was like that when I started, that's why I started multiple companies and yeah, I can do that. I'm Wonder Woman, you know, that's fine. I will survive. It's fine. Uh, it's not sustainable. It's, uh, you know, you need to allow yourself. It's funny because I recently I had, I was struggling with anxiety and I made a video about that. I was like the most courage that I had in my life to make a video about something that is not the usual bubbly me. Right. And and one thing that I learned is that I, a lot of entrepreneurs and high achievers like me, we, there are three uh, emotional systems in our brains, in our brains, uh, the drive system, the threat system, and the soothing system. And we exercise the drive and the threat on an ongoing basis. And the drive is what makes you achieve more and more and more. It's, it's, it's the, you know, the, the reward system that we have. The threat is, is connected to the stress hormones. It's like, okay, if I don't make it, I'm going to die. It's the, the company's going to die. Something very horrible is going to happen, right? And, and I created that for myself for so long. And I did not allow the soothing system to be there. And soothing system is about the hug, the oxy oxytocin is like the moment that you are with yourself, that you idle, that you're looking at the at, at the window and doing nothing, that you're talking to your sister, that you're talking to your family, that you're having laugh with your friends, right? And we and that's about fun, right? So it's allowing yourselves not to take life so seriously, but also allow other people to be near you so you don't feel so lonely. And and it's fascinating how much a lot of entrepreneurs do not look after the soothing system. And it's very important. It's, it's about fun. It's about, you know, having, having good times that are not, you're not under pressure to achieve something. You're just doing it for the sake of doing it. Well, I think that is 
uh, amazing way to end this conversation because I feel like as with many conversations I have on this series, we're going to have to have a part two. Would you come back uh, if we have questions from listeners? Absolutely. Would you come back and do more? I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I would highly encourage everyone to check out How Do We Find You on YouTube and online. On YouTube is youtube.com slash betaluca, B-E-T-A-L-U-C-C-A, betaluca.com as well. On uh, Twitter, betaluca1, (laughs) B-E-T-A-L-U-C-C-A-1. On LinkedIn is like well, that very long one, right? Yeah. <laughs> you look up your name, Roberta you look Luca. up my name, Roberta Luca. You can find and they there. can they can tweet at yeah. you. They can talk to you on on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, oh, Instagram! Instagram, Instagram. is Luca. Luca. That's awesome. If you have more questions, definitely reach out. Uh, I think it sounds like you're you're wanting to share as much as you can about your journey with others if it's helpful to them right absolutely that's my my biggest passion create create to live live to create and share with everyone hey so i'd love to talk to you and keep the conversation going find me on twitter and instagram at arlen was here that's a-r-l-a-n was here stick around too because i will let you know when my new book is going to be in pre-order now that's coming out in uh, 2020 it'll be out as the real book oh my goodness and it'll be you'll be able to pre-order it most likely this year so stay tuned i'll let you know all about that on twitter on instagram and on this podcast thank you again to digital ocean for sponsoring this episode if you are interested in sponsoring an episode of your first million get in touch with me um right now it's super easy to do so you just email me at arlenhamilton at gmail that's a-r-l-a-n H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N at gmail.com and uh, put in the subject that you want to that you're thinking about sponsoring and I'll give you some more information Um, this is a really highly engaged audience really really uh, educated either through traditional means or through grit and tenacity or a little bit of both and uh, yeah these are the people you want to be talking to you got you got aspiring founders you've got in the trenches founders you've got aspiring angel investors and active angel investors you've also got venture capitalists you've also got limited partners and then you have people who are listening in to learn all about what all of that means and so it's a really interesting group of people check it out thank you again digital ocean for sponsoring your first million is produced and edited by anna eichenauer and senior producer brian landers Additional audio mixing and mastering by Alfred Rook Hamilton. Additional production by Chacho Valadez. Executive producer, Arlen Hamilton.